you have your Bibles with you, could you turn with me to Philippians 2, starting at verse 1. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort in love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So I'm graduating this spring, and barely, barely. And um, looking back through most of my youth, I can say I probably wouldn't be in this place spiritually having this relationship with God if it wasn't for community with his church and with my family. And God knows that people need people, especially me. But I've been blessed to be surrounded by people who are light into your life, who pick you up when you fall square on your face, who encourage you and challenge you to dive deeper into relationship with God. I'm very thankful for you guys. I want you to be, not take for granted this relationship that you have with each other and with your family. So, can we stand and pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. I pray your blessing over this service. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We pray over any heart that's broken in here today that you bring restoration and revitalization to it today, God. A renewed to the soul and to the spirit, God. We thank you that you bring this to us. We ask that you bless this day as we honor mothers and we honor our grandmothers. That we'll be able to bring honor to them because of how they have raised us up. Amen. So if you have your Bible with me, turn with me to First uh, Timothy. And you will find out the scripture that God gave me that I said, are you sure, God? Are you absolutely sure? I didn't miss you, did I? Verses 17 and 18 read like this. Charge them that are rich. That's the part I remember. And I thought, Lord, do we have rich people in our congregation? And the Lord said, think about those online too, Linda. Don't just have this narrow vision. Open up your heart and mind. It's a lot bigger than you think. So charge, if you're rich today, I'm charging you. In this world, that you be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. And actually, you can do that if you don't have a dime, right? But in the living God who gives to us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, and willing to communicate. And then, in your Bible, in the Old Testament, in uh, Deuteronomy, I liked it when my kids were little and they tried to say that verse. Do you remember all the strange things they would utter instead of Deuteronomy? Yeah, it was fun. 
So again, verse 17 and 18, he must like 17 and 18 the best, I don't know. And thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. Now, some of you might look at that and go, but that's in the Old Testament, and that's speaking to Abraham and his seed, right? And, you know, I'm not Jewish. You know, does that really apply to me? Uh, the answer would be yes, if you're born again. Because if you're born again, then Galatians 4, or 3, 29 applies to you, which says... If ye be Christ, which if you're born again, you're Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Hallelujah. God gave Abraham a very powerful promise that through, the, through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And you and I are a part of that, no matter which nation or tongue or tribe we come from. So be blessed. Trust God, not your riches. And that I charge all of you, because God wants you to be blessed, but he doesn't want you to love money. There's a, a healthy balance with having funds and having money and knowing how to use it to serve God. I tell people money is a tool, just like all other kind of tools you have. That's all it is, a tool. We need to learn how to use it and, and use it powerfully because I told you before that I think we should all be millionaires, didn't I? I did. How many of you wanted that? If you didn't want that, I'm going to tell you that, and this is what we were told in Karis Bible College, if you didn't want that, you're being selfish because when you have a million dollars, you should be giving it away, Right? So that's what makes it selfish. So you should all be raising your hand when I say, do you want a million dollars? Yes, you do. So you can bless God's people and you can bless people into the kingdom because without that, some of them won't come. Yes, the gospel's free, but as I heard him say once, it takes a little bit of money to pipe it to you, which it does. If God's going to send you someplace other than here, isn't it going to take money to get you there? It really will. Please listen to God as he speaks to you today as to what to give. Because he will bless it. And a little sidelight, he will bless the desires of your heart. Hallelujah. If you were at Friday night Bible study, you know that. Right? He will bless the desires of your heart. Hallelujah. Mothers, blessings on you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember when the doctor said to me, you were meant to be a mother. Do you know why he said that to me? Because I had just had a baby, and my husband had a vasectomy from his first wife. Yeah. Yeah. And believe me, it was a fixed one. But God knows how to unfix things when he wants things to happen. 
and God is good. He's given, he gave me four children that live on the earth. He gave me one that went to heaven, who I know is forever safe. And he recently has given me three children that I got the easy way by them marrying my children. I just have one more to bring in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God is good. Let's pray, shall we? Jesus, we just thank you today. Father, we know that there might be some people here today who don't have to give. And for those, Father, I am praying that you will provide seed to the sower so that they can, you can multiply that seed sown to them and you can give them a harvest that exceeds their wildest dreams because you are so much bigger than we think or comprehend or understand. And you are working in all of our hearts to accomplish your plan. Nothing is wasted that you have worked through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The word depression keeps coming to my mind, and it's been coming all morning long. Jesus, we just speak to depression in your name, and we command it to flee. We command it in the mighty name of Jesus, and the devil can't hold that name down. Hallelujah. It reigns supreme throughout the universe. Hallelujah. Father, bless each giver and bless this day. And bless Pastor Shiloh as he comes to minister the word to us. Give him your words to speak to our hearts today, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come, Pastor Shiloh. Isn't it wonderful to see God raise up people in our own body to minister? Hallelujah! So, I am Shiloh. I am Pastor Shiloh. I am the children's minister here. So, if you don't recognize me, that's because I'm usually in the back taking care of your kids, uh, teaching them, uh, playing games. So, being in khakis and a nice shirt is not normal for me. I'm usually in like uh, athletic wear, uh, running around super sweaty. So, uh, it's, it's awesome. It's uh, a great time back there. Uh, but I've gotten an opportunity to kind of help train up these children and see the influence that they are getting from their parents, they're getting from their mothers and fathers, and it's been a blessing on me. So I, I want to start off by just recognizing the moms here. This is a way of honoring you guys. Like, you guys are such an inspiration for everyone here. So moms, grandmas, soon-to-be moms, like, it, I just want to give you guys a round of applause. You guys are awesome. I, w I was looking back at... Uh, I was listening back to old Pastor John's sermons to see what he did for Mother's Day, whether he talked about moms, whether he uh, went on a completely different tangent. And I noticed a, a common theme was that he talked about how bad he was as a kid and how his grandma and mom uh, kind of got him back. But uh, my mom and grandma still go to this church today, so I'm not ready to air out all of that <laughs> yet. Um, but yeah, so th this is a, it's an important day for me. My mom and grandma are here, and they have gotten me to this point today. They, they have raised me up in the church. They have trained me. They, they have taught me how to be a Christian, how to be a godly man. Um, my mom, she's probably one of my favorite moms I've ever had, so she's, that, that's pretty cool. Uh, and my grandma's top two all time, so, uh, but yeah, they, 
I mean, my mom's walked me through everything in life, whether uh, it was girlfriends, wives, uh, injuries, sports, wife, single wife, sorry, (laughs) one wife. (laughs) Okay, I have to explain, at Karis, I had been volunteered to be uh, married, so we do marriage ceremonies, and I had to stand in as the groom, so I have two different Karis wives, but my, my, my real wife is here. But uh, my mom walked me through all of it, and uh, my, my grandma, I'm working the same job that she worked, and she trained me to work the job that I am doing, to work as a children's minister and how to teach uh, and train up children. Uh, so I really owe everything to them. So it's, a, it's an honor to be able to preach a message on Mother's Day uh, and express that honor to them. Uh, moms kind of get a lot of flack. They, they really... It's a hard job. Um, they, we don't make it easy on them. Husbands, children, we don't make jail life easy. And oftentimes, they have idealistic hopes of this perfect image, this perfect family uh, where the kids always listen, they all get along, the husband who always does every single chore on time gets the fence fixed, gets everything done as needed. Uh, and that's just not going to happen. That, that's, that's not the truth. There's no such thing as a perfect family, a perfect mom, a perfect father. Uh, but that causes some grief and, and some pain because it is natural to have these expectations of, I can do this. This is what I've made. That's what I've made to do. So it should be perfect. I know what I expect in my own mind and I can turn it into a reality by training them the way that they should go, by marrying the right man. Um, and, and when that doesn't go according to plans, it, it really goes to heart. And I want to share a story, not a story, a Bible uh, story about Hannah, the mother of Samuel. And her process of becoming a mom was not perfect. Uh, and how she dealt with it is really... This, this message is for moms, but it's applicable to everyone. She, she didn't mope. She didn't complain. She went to God with her, with her worries and concerns. Uh, there is a quote, not a quote. Um, there was a little part in uh, the commentary that I was reading that talks about uh, the ordinary course of nature fosters hope, and it's the basis for reasonable expectation. So moms expect that they're going to be moms. Uh, when, when little girls are growing up, sometimes they say, I want to be a mom when I grow up. And that's just the natural expectation of hope. So for Hannah's situation, she couldn't be a mom. And that caused an immense amount of grief. It, it caused her to look at the hope and the imagination and dwell on that, but then when her reality didn't meet, meet up with it, there was grief and pain and strife that followed. So her problem, I want to talk about her problem, and then we're going to look at her promise and prayer, because those two after her problem really got her through. So First Samuel uh, chapter 1, verse 2, we see that Hannah's problem was the expectation that she put on herself. It wasn't that she wasn't a mom and couldn't have children. It was because there was an expectation that she would be a mom and that she felt like she should be a mom and she couldn't. So verse, starting with verse 2, he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah and the name of the other Penaniah. And Penaniah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from a city to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, 
Hophni and Phinehas were priests to the Lord. On the day Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penaniah and his wife, uh, to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her. Though the Lord had closed her womb, and her rival used, used to provoke her grievously to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year, and as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. So in this case, it's not that her children or her husband were causing her grief. It was the words of others. Uh, and that can cause a deep pain inside of you. Uh, if, if you're not meeting the expectations that you know you should have or that others think you should have and they share their own opinion, that can cause hurt, that can cause resentment, that can uh, just change the way that you look at yourself, your situation, and oftentimes turn, who you, turn away from who you rely on. So that hurt and strife can grow into doubting your own value and worth. Uh, I think it would be very easy for Hannah to go, I am not worthy of being a wife, I'm not worthy of being a mom, because clearly I'm not doing my job right. But instead of, grie- uh, of uh, turning to that, her grief drove her to God. When all else fails, she knew that God would be there for her. So when the heart is close to breaking, when, when your heart, when you're going through pain and suffering and tribulations of this life, where else can you turn besides God? He is the one who can get you through the troubles of life. Uh, Peter, uh, first Peter, I believe, yeah, first Peter five, seven tells us to cast our anxieties on him. And I, I did a little word search. Cast is not just to lay down gently or to bring to the table and just put on in front of God. It's to throw upon. The word cast means to throw aggressively. You don't throw softly. You throw with all your might to cast it away from you. So that's what we should do. We're, we're not coming to Jesus or we're not coming to God very in, in a meek uh, state of mind and just saying, here, if you want to take care of this, it's we cast it and we throw it with all of our might upon him because he will restore us. He will uh, bring new hope to our life. So that's what Hannah was doing. She knew that there was no one else that she could bring this problem to. She couldn't bring it to her husband. Her husband couldn't do anything about it. She couldn't bring it to the other uh, wife because she definitely wasn't going to do anything about it. She cast her anxieties to God. Hannah had to focus on who her anchor was. Uh, when you're out in a boat and you're, you found the perfect fishing spot, you don't want to move. You, you want to stay exactly where you are. Uh, but that's not how water works. That's not how nature works. Like you're going to move. The wind is going to push you. If you're in a river, the water is going to push you. Uh, so you need an anchor. You need an anchor to hold you down into where you are so that you can stay in that state. But it all depends on where you anchor to, how you anchor. If you just don't anchor, you're going to float all over the place and you're not going to be able to stay in your one spot. If you have a, a light anchor that's not heavy enough to hold down the boat, you're not going to, it'll pick up from the weight of the boat and you'll move. If you don't get it into the right surface, into the right substance, it won't catch into the dirt and it won't anchor in. It'll just pull up. If you're just in a bunch of weeds, the anchor will pull up and you'll move. That the same goes for us as humans, as fathers, mothers, children, grandmothers, grandfathers, uh, wherever you are in life, your hope 
needs to be anchored in the right source, or you need to be anchored down to God. Oftentimes, we anchor to something that's tangible. You anchor to friends, you anchor to your husband, you anchor to your wives, uh, you anchor to your uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, children, sometimes even a sports team. Uh, you anchor to the Packers and hope that they're going to make it past the playoffs at some point, but your anchor, it'll just disappoint you. And as Vikings fans, just maybe making the playoffs at some point. <laughs> Pastor John, maybe a win once or twice for the Browns even, I don't know. <laughs> But they anchor to unstable things. These, the things in life are unstable. Tangible items won't get you through the storms of life. Now, when the water is calm and there's no wind, yes, you will stay where you're at. But that's not where you need an anchor. If the storm is raging, the wind is blowing in your life, and you're not anchored down to what you need to be anchored to, you're going to move. That's where you see where your anchor is. So some Christians pull their anchor of trust in God as soon as troubles arise. It's super easy to keep your anchor rooted when things are easy and life is going good. It's, yes, I can trust in God with all my might. But as soon as something bad goes wrong, as soon as the storm arises, you either pull your anchor because you're like, okay, now I need to figure something out. I need to do something because God isn't bringing this to me. Or you realize that your anchor in uh, your, your girlfriend or boyfriend isn't really going to get you through this storm or your anchor in your husband, he can't solve your problems. So when the storm of life presents themselves to you, be anchored to God and the promises that he gives to you. Romans eight thirty two says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up as, uh, for all of us as well, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God does not withhold his blessings or his promises from his people. He does not withhold them from his children. He gives them freely. He, he, if, if we trust in him, all the promises and blessings that he says in his word will be given to us freely. So in order to know those promises and to stand strong in during the storm, we need to anchor our hope in the truth of his word. And that's what Hannah, that's what Hannah knew. Hannah knew that God would provide. She had gone through life every year praying for a child, praying to God for a child. And she wasn't going on her timeline. She was going on God's. She, she was praying for this child if God willed it, if God wanted it to happen. So she would pray when they traveled to the tabernacle. Uh, verse 10 through 17, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look uh, on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give it to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord and all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. That's her prayer. Uh, that's her promise in her prayer, that she will give her son back to the Lord all the days of his life. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, but only her lips, uh, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman, and Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. 
But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman of troubled spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For a long I have been speaking out my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. So Hannah was in this miserable situation by herself. Her husband loved her. He gave her a double portion because he loved her, even though she bore no children. But he did not understand the pain and the suffering that she was going through. Guys, we can't always understand what our wives are going through uh, once motherhood comes into play. You don't know the pain that they're going through. Children, you don't know the pain that your parents are going through. You know, growing up, I, I mean, I wasn't a perfect kid. I know it's super surprising, but I mean, I've been running around this church since like three years old, just causing mayhem. But I, I realized as I grew older that my mom invested so much into me that when I made a mistake or if I did something wrong, she took that as a failure upon herself. And I didn't understand that when I was younger. But growing older, I would hear, I'm sorry I failed you. I'm sorry I messed up. I'm, I'm sorry I'm not a perfect mom. Because I, as an individual, was making a mistake. And I understand that now, but when I was your guys' age or uh, as a child back in, those, in that room, I didn't understand that my lies were hurting her and that they were causing her to feel like she didn't do enough as a mom. I didn't realize that uh, my mistakes I was making in school by not taking things seriously were reflected poorly on her. She felt like she didn't raise me right. So we won't understand that. So it's important to think and be conscious of what another person may be going through. And we can't solve it. You guys can't change that feeling. Like, yes, you can start acting better. You can start trying to be a, a, a perfect child, but that's not going to happen. That's not a reality. So you need to understand that there is so much invested in you guys and us that that opinion on herself is, is very important to her. So as hurtful as her situation was, she did something that far too few of us do when we are hurting. <sighs> or when we are happy, for that matter. She prayed. She prayed through turmoil. She prayed through tears. She prayed crying out to God. And even when things are going great for people, they don't turn to God. They don't thank him. And then when, it, when a hard situation comes up, it's even harder to turn to God and pray because you're not used to doing it when the good things are happening. So even though she had gone years thinking perhaps that God wasn't listening or that God didn't care she, and that she wasn't worthy, she kept praying. So years and years and years of praying with no answer, she continued to pray. She continued to push forward because she knew the promises that God had for her. She knew the love and the worth that God brought to her. No matter what her situation was, no matter who told her anything different, she knew what the word said and she knew what God said. So she prayed with tears streaming down her face. She prayed with a passion and a pain. And she prayed persistently and powerfully. 
and she never gave up on prayer. She (laughs) never gave up on prayer, never gave up on God, and neither should you guys. Prayer gets you through the troubles of this life. Anchored in the word and the trust that you have in him gets you through this life. So I want, I want to look back and see how many times she, the Bible tells us that she prayed. In verse 10, it says, Hannah, in her, deepest, uh, in her deepest cried out and prayed to the Lord. So that's one. Verse 12 says, she kept praying. Hannah kept praying to the Lord. Verse 13, she was speaking in her heart. She was praying in her heart. Other versions tell us that she was praying deeply in her heart. In verse 15, she was telling the Lord about all her problems. I don't know if you just if that's not prayer, but I, I, you're not just having a casual conversation. You're praying. You're telling him these problems. And verse 16 says she was praying because she had many troubles and that she was very sad. She prayed. It's mentioned in those verses that she prayed five separate times. Like the importance of her prayer is mentioned that many times. So Hannah's example challenges us all to be a pe- uh, people of prayer. If you're a husband, be a husband of prayer. If you're a wife, be a wife of prayer. If you're a mother, father, be a parent of prayer. If you're a child, be a child of prayer. You guys can pray for your parents. I know it's hard because you don't agree with everything that they say or do, but you can pray for them and gain a better understanding of what they are doing, how they are guiding you through this life. If you are a grandparent, be a praying grandparent, great-grandparent. The, the, I mean, we've heard Pastor John's stories about his grandma. My grandma prays for me. I, I now get to have corporate prayer with my grandma because of the prayers that she prayed for me growing up to get me through the times when I maybe was walking away, when I was going a separate uh, way from God. She prayed for me so that I get here. If I was being disobedient and my mom calls her and talks about how bad of a child I was being, (laughs) she would pray to get me to hear. And you can pray even if there's not trouble, if, if there's not a request. You don't know what's in store for you guys. You don't have to have a request. You can pray and then find out what's in store later in your life. You don't know what's in store for your little baby, but you can pray to God that he will guide the path and show the way for you guys to raise her so that she gets to where God believes. We as a church can pray for the parents and for the children even if we have no relation to them. You can pray that God guides the parents and shows them the way to train them and that the child will follow that training. So while Hannah was pouring out her heart to the Lord, she made a promise. Verse 11 says, And she vowed and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look upon your affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give your servant a son, then I will give him back to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. So Hannah vowed to give her child back She had been praying for this child. She had been wanting this child and she prayed that she would just give it back because that's all she she wanted to be a mother. She wanted to bring a child into this world that it didn't matter if she had to give him back to God because God's the one who gave it to her, gave the baby to her. 
So how many of us pray specifically for something and when God fulfills that prayer, we just drop it. We, we I mean, there, there's the jokes on TV about like, oh, I'll give up watching football if you help me, if you let the Packers win one Super Bowl. I'll never watch it again. And then if it ever happened, they would go back to watching it because it's just an empty promise. God isn't a slot machine for our prayers where you just walk up, you go, big money, big money, big money. You hit the jackpot and then you just walk away. There needs to be some give and take. There, there, there's a relationship where we pray, God fulfills our prayers, and we go back to him. Not for another request, but to thank him, to, to fulfill anything on our end that we may have promised. Because it's not fair to him to just pray, fulfill, and move on with life as if it was something that you did or if it was by some luck or some chance that whatever you were praying for just happened to come to pass. So there needs to be a relationship with this prayer. And Hannah had that relationship. We see that she continued to go back and she, we, we, you would read later on that she did bring Samuel in to give back to the Lord. And we, of course, we know the impact that Samuel had on the world, on Christianity, on, on the people that he raised up to be kings of Israel, to, to mentor them, to be the spiritual guidance for them. So God wants us, uh, God works with us as long as we work with him. Pray and give thanks to the God who supplied all of your guys' needs. The clothes on your body, the home that you have, the apartment that you have, the children that you have, God has supplied it all to you. And the glory goes back to him. So, I know a lot of you parents at this point are now thinking, yeah, I would love to give my kids back. Like, that's like, I lost my receipt, but holy cow. My brother's right there. I, the amount of times that mom has called me about dropping them off at my house, and we don't, we don't take those kind of returns. But... <laughs> You, you can give your children back to God, but it looks different today. Pastor John, us at the church, we don't want you to come drop your kids off and just like leave. Because that's, that's, that's what Hannah did with Samuel, brought him to the temple and just moved on. Yep. You can't do that. Pastor John does not want more kids. <laughs> he does not want you guys to drop off more. So just, I'll, I'll tell you a different way. So, teaching and training your children is how you give them back to the Lord. Proverbs 22.6 instructs us why we should train up our children. Tells parents to train up a child in a way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. In my life, I was trained up in the church. I was raised in the church, born again from a young age, uh, once I got old enough to make make decisions for my own, once I became 18 and went to college, I started thinking differently about my faith, what I what I believed, um, whether it was worth it, and I walked away. I try. I tested God, looking for answers. Uh, if you're real, I need you to show me. If uh, take this fleece cloth, and if it's wet in the morning. I, I tested him. I said, I need proof that you're real. I, I got my proof, but it was a long time coming. It, it took time. It 
took faith in a God that I didn't know if was real. But eventually, God's promises came to fruition, and he's real in my life. He's very real in my life. But it's because of the training that I got when I was younger. The training in the church from all of you, the training from my, from my mom and my grandma raising me up to believe the word of God, to know what the word of God says. And eventually it all just came back. And that's why. You will not depart. You won't... You won't run away and stay away. God always has a way of getting you back. So that's why it is important for parents to train up their children. Whether they're an infant, whether they are teenagers, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, Jamie, you need more training. (laughs) But that's how you give them back to the Lord. You train them and raise them the way that they should be raised. And that's, the church is here to help you, but it's not our job. It's not my job back there to train and teach your children by myself. It's not our staff. It's, it's not the nursery staff, the beginners, the pre-K. It's, it's not our job by ourselves. We work in conjunction with the parents. Charles Spurgeon once quoted, let no Christian parents fall into the delusion that Sunday school is intended to ease them of their personal duties. The first and most, most natural condition of this is for p- Christian parents to train up their own children in the nurture and admonition, uh, admonition of the Lord. So you guys do that. And then as a church, collectively as a community, in the children's ministry, in the adult church, any facet of the church helps strengthen that training. Whether it's in a one-on-one setting with the child, whereas back there I'm working with the children, or if it's Jim and Linda praying for Peter and Kayla, praying for them so that they can get through the training, they can understand how to raise them. When things get hard, and your little daughter starts getting an attitude, Peter, (laughs) there's people around the church that you can go to that will encourage you so that you know how to handle the situation. That's our job as a church. It's your job to raise them in the way they should go. And unfortunately, a lot of parents don't get to see this. You know, I've had such... It's been a blessing to work in back with the children because I get to see the training come through. I get to see them operating in the spiritual gifts. I get to see them praying for others. I get to see them having questions or having concerns uh, that I had at age 18 when they're having it early on where we can answer it and they're in a safe environment to answer it. I get to see that, and unfortunately, you guys don't all get to see it. The, the parents... You get the attitude, you get the disrespect, you get the rolling of the eyes, you get the, you get the sass and all that. And I get some of that, but not all of it. <laughs> so I, I want to give an opportunity for you guys to see this. Um, it, this is not a children's ministry Sunday. Pastor John made that very clear last week that I cannot do puppets or anything 
as he talked about how horrible it was when he would come in and I'm sitting there like, wow, you really set me up for that one. So, but you know, eventually maybe, maybe someday I'll come in here with some puppets just to relive that little episode for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I, I did want to incorporate a little blessing for, for the moms, for the parents. So you guys back there, you guys can come up front. So these are some of our older kids in the class. You can stand up and right here. So these are some of our older kids in the class. Um, and, and they've been learning. learning. Right now we're learning about the Holy Spirit and the importance of the Holy Spirit. Uh, later this summer, we're going to be learning about how God can speak to us and how he can reveal things to us. We're going to be doing freedom in Christ. So they are learning these very important concepts at such a young age that some didn't learn till 40, 50, 60. This is the future future of the church. We have the future, the present, and the future future. So these guys getting trained up by Christian parents, by a Christian church, and encouraging each other as young Christians will be the future. There is such a power with these guys when they pray. You know, we have, they, they come forward and they'll pray, they'll lay hands on anyone. You know, uh, Shaylin, when I was talking to them about coming up, and they're going to pray for you guys. You know, the elders can come up as well, but they're going to pray for you. Um, At camp, we do ministry training where they go around looking for people like a treasure hunt, where they look, God speaks to them, and they pray for that specific person. And... Shaylin asked, oh, so we're going to be walking through the crowd and just picking out people. And I said, no, they're, they're going to come up to you. But they're so excited to pray for you. And they know how to pray. They know how to pray God's word. They know how to speak in the name of Jesus because Jesus has the power. His name has the power. So we're ending significantly earlier so that there is an opportunity for prayer. If you're a mom if you're a grandma, if you're going to be a mom, they'll pray a blessing for you. They'll, they, they have some words to share. They, they have very important revelation to bring. And, and you can't expect that they don't because they're kids. They'll rock your world because they hear the voice of God. But I felt the anointing this morning of healing. If you need healing, they know how to pray for healing. They know the scriptures to pray for healing. If you have a grandson or a son who doesn't go to church and needs salvation, they can pray for salvation. They know. So I encourage you to receive it. If you do, if you do decide to come forward, they'll pray for you. They'll lay hands on you. They'll pray for healing, salvation, blessings, protection. They know how to do it. So I'll close in prayer. Elders, you guys can come up and pray with them, but I'm, I didn't give you guys the heads up beforehand. I'm having these guys, they're in, they're in charge. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll close off.
you can get out early, hit your Mother's Day brunch, but I encourage you, some of you, to receive some prayer. So, dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for mothers. We thank you for the blessing that they are on all of our lives. We pray that you encourage them, bless them as they go throughout this day and throughout this year, that they will know the worth that they have in you. They will know the honor that you hold them in. I pray for the words to share with these children up front, that you will use them because they know how to be used by you, God. We pray that you bless us going throughout this day, throughout the week, and protect us in all that we do. Amen.